The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Can we celebrate the faithfulness of the Lord our God? Can we celebrate his goodness and his mercy and his blessing and his love and his grace in our lives? God, we praise you. We bless your name, God. We honor you. We worship you. You are a faithful God. You have been faithful throughout all the generations. And today, here at Crestmont Alliance Church, we declare your faithfulness all the more. You have been good to Crestmont Alliance Church, Lord. Throughout all of the years, some of the years were great, some of the years were hard, but you have been faithful in every situation. And so today we glorify your name. We bless you, God. We look forward to where you're taking Crestmont because you are not done with Crestmont. You are just beginning. And we... Hmm. Hmm. Yes, Lord, we receive that. You are not done with Crestmont. You are just beginning. And we receive your love and your grace and celebrate your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time. Can we just give a clap offering unto the Lord for his goodness? Amen. 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 You may be seated. It is good to be here with you. Um, I was so honored when I was asked to come and be a part of this anniversary celebration. So honored to uh, be here to uh, see people that, that I know and have known for uh, a number of years, quite a number of years. I was saying to uh, Joel this morning when we had breakfast that uh, I think it was the last time I was here, I was still a college student at Nyack College, and that's been a long time ago. So, um, But it is good to be here with you this morning. I don't want to hold you long. I just want to share with you from God's Word. Uh, and, the, and the topic of the message is this, presence, place, and proper perspective. Pleasance, presence, place, and proper perspective. And we're going to be looking at the, uh, the book of Judges. We're going to be looking at verses from chapters 4 and 5. And you might wonder, what are we going to learn from Judges on this 100th anniversary? I believe the Lord has something that he wants to say to you as a congregation uh, out of the story of Deborah and Barak. We're going to look at that in a little bit. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We ask now that you would give uh, your anointing for the message. You have been present this whole service, and we celebrate your presence. Lord, this, we ask now, though, that what you, you want to say, we be listening, we be hearing, and we be following your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Present place and proper perspective. Kenneth Lee Wilson is an author and a writer, and he grew up in Pittsburgh, and he tells the story about what it was like when he was growing up in one of these houses that are on the side of Pittsburgh Hills. It's a big house where, you know, it has three stories. Actually, it's four stories if you count the basement. And that top floor uh, usually was finished with, with two rooms, and it was the attic. Uh, it had all these weird angles uh, to his house. And uh, the second floor was not the, the floor that his family really uh, stayed on because they would rent out the second floor in order to help to pay the bills. But his family used the top floor for their bedrooms. He was the youngest child, and he would have to go to bed first. 
And every night he'd go up those stairs, those dark stairs to the room that was a part, the room that he and his siblings slept in. And he would get up to the top floor and he would do that with all this kind of fear because the top floor was the floor that didn't have electricity. The rooms had uh, gas lanterns and you didn't have any light until you got upstairs. So he would go up, uh, uh, his father would follow him up and they'd turn on the gas light and get ready for bed, and his father would sit and would talk with him. But eventually he knew that that light was going to go out, and his dad was going to go downstairs. The windows up on this top floor were creaky, and so he would ask his dad to take uh, wooden matchsticks and stick them on the inside of the windows to try and keep them from rattling. But eventually dad would go downstairs, the light would be out, he would hear just the footsteps of his dad walking away, and he would be left in this silence with those rattling windows because the matchsticks didn't work. Sometimes his dad would sit with him for a while and he would, he would read to him uh, before he would go downstairs. And this is what he says as, as he recounts the stories of growing up in that, um, in that house. Once I remember, my father said to me, would you rather I leave the light on and go downstairs or turn the light out and stay with you for a while? You can guess what he chose. This is what he said. He said, I chose presence with darkness over absence with light. I chose presence with darkness over absence with light. It didn't matter to him if he couldn't see what was in front of him or behind him. It didn't matter to him if he could tell, couldn't tell what was lying on either side of him. What he knew was that his father was in the room. And even if it was dark, the presence of his father made all the difference. Presence, over, presence in darkness over absence in light. As I look at that and then I look at the story of Deborah and Barak in the book of Judges, I think God has something to say to us about his presence and the importance of his presence as we walk through this life. Let me just give you a, a, a big overview. Uh, Judges is a book that's written uh, that comes where, where, where they, we see this pattern in the life of Israel. They uh, fall into sin. They fall into captivity. They cry out to God. God sends a judge or a deliverer to rescue them. They are rescued then they are back in the presence of God, and they are walking with the Lord, uh, only to see this pattern repeat over and over again. They would sin. God would raise up a judge. God would deliver them. They would go on for a few, time, uh, for a few years, and then the same thing would happen. One of those times that this happened, God raised up a judge named Deborah. And the story of how Deborah was instrumental in delivering Israel from the hands of the Canaanites is, is, is a great story. We want to look at that. But as I look at uh, this story in Judges chapters 4 and 5, uh, I, there's a question that comes to mind as I think about this story, as I think about where you are as a church and what God might have to say to you. And so the question that comes to mind is this. What might we find in the story of Deborah and Barak that God might want to use to apply to Crestmont's next season of fruitful ministry? Let me ask that again. 
What might we find in the story of Deborah and Barak that God might want to use to apply to Crestmont's next season of fruitful ministry? And so I want to read to you from uh, different passages in the book of Judges, uh, chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 4 and going to verse 10. Let me, read those, let me read those verses. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm, tree, uh, the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, uh, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and troops, and I will give him into your hand? Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up at his heels, and Deborah went up with him. Here's the picture. The Canaanite army that, uh, that Jabin was in command of uh, was, had about 900 iron groups of, of people. They were, the, the, the chariots that they fought with were, were made of iron, 900 of them. So you can imagine what it must have looked like to get 10,000 men to go up against 900 chariots of iron. Very interesting, uh, the story here. Let me just read again from verses 8 through 9. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now, when I first read this passage, as I would read it uh, uh, growing up, and when I would hear this passage preached, and it was actually the same way that I preached this passage for uh, a long time, this is what I would hear. Deborah was raised up as a judge because there was no man who was willing to stand in that place. And then when she says to Barack, you go, and he says, you know, I'll go, but I, I, I want you to go with me, it, it was said that, you know, Barack was scared to go. And that the, 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 the thing that Deborah said about, uh, about, uh, about uh, Sisera being so, uh, sold into the hands of a woman was a judgment against Barak because he was afraid to go. But as I've been doing some more study, and as I've been looking at some other commentators about this whole passage, one of them actually being Tim Keller and reading some of the things that he said and others who have comment, commented on this passage, my eyes were opened in a different way. Let's talk about the judges. The judges were people who were raised up by God, whose God, God's hand was on them, God's anointing was on them, God's presence was with them, and they were the people who would lead Israel out of their bondage, out of the oppression that they were under. And so as I looked at this, and I looked at Barak, and I looked at Deborah, and I looked at the response, and I did some more reading, here's what I come to. Barak wasn't scared to go. He was a mighty man of valor. He was a mighty commander. 
Barak made it very clear. Deborah, the presence of God is with you. Deborah, the presence of God rests upon you. Deborah, the hand and the anointing of God is upon you. You are the judge. And if I'm going to go, I'm willing to do it. But if I'm going to go, I'm going with the presence. I will not go unless God's presence goes with me. Deborah, you represent God's presence. So what about this whole thing of uh, Sisera being sold into the hands of a woman? If, in fact, Deborah was a prophetess, and if, in fact, the hand of God was on her, and if, in fact, she would speak prophetic words uh, coming from the Lord, then it could be that this wasn't a judgment, but more of a prophetic word. Barak, I want you to know, the usual way the battle goes is that the one who's commander-in-chief leads the army, wins the battle, and gets all the glory. But I want you to know God's doing something a little different here. I want you to know ahead of time that when you go, the one who the, who's going to deliver this person is going to be a woman who is there. Don't worry about that. God has commanded you to go. Because nowhere does it say that Barak backed off. Nowhere does it say that Barak went, oh, wait a minute. Oh, excuse, wait, well, hold on, hold on. You want me to risk my life? You want me to risk the life of these men, and I'm not going to get the credit for it? Nowhere do we see that. What we see is Barak saying, Deborah, if you go, you represent the presence. If you go, I'm going. And when you say move, I'm moving because I know that when you speak, you are speaking for the Lord. So what does this mean? What does this have here when I look at this uh, in relation to the future that I believe God has for you? Crestmont Alliance Church. This is it. Your vision, your mission, and your strategy will flow for this next season when you crave his presence and his voice more than you value your planning. Let me say that again. Your vision, your mission, and your strategy will flow for this next season when you crave his presence and his voice more than you value your planning. Notice what happened. The strategy for what was going to take place came from the person who carried the presence of God. In God's presence, that strategy was revealed. Now, I want to make it very clear. I am not against planning. I am not against strategizing. In fact, we just in our church, I've been there five years, in our church we have just reworked the plan, the mission, the vision, the core values, the strategy that we're looking at, we're moving forward in reaching people for Christ. But that vision, that mission, that values, those, the strategy came from a time of being in God's presence. And we let him unfold. Let me say this. You might be looking and saying, okay, here we are celebrating 100 years. What's our plan for the next 100 years? Should the Lord tarry? Should he not come back for another 100 years? What's our plan for the next 100 years? Joel, what's our plan? Leaders, what's our plan? Here's your plan. Get in God's presence. Continually be in his presence. Say, Lord, whatever it is that you're doing, we will do it, but we will not go without your presence. We will not move forward without your leading. 
your strategy, your vision, your mission, and all of that will flow for the next season when you crave his presence and his voice more than you value your planning. Let's move on. They talk about uh, Deborah. We talk about Barak. But then there was, a, there was this guy, Sisera, who was actually uh, the leader of Jabin's army. And then there was this woman called Jael, who was uh, the woman that Deborah had prophesied about, who would be the one who would take care uh, of, of the leader of this army. Let me read from verses 17 through 22. Sisera fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, uh, Heber, the Kenite. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, and do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a skin of milk and gave him to drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent, and if any man comes and asks you, is there anyone here, say no. But Jael, the wife of Heber, uh, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand. And, and then she went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until he went down to the ground while he was lying fast asleep from weariness. So he died. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into the tent, and there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in the temple. Here is the prophetic word that Deborah had given that uh, this man would be delivered into the hands of a woman coming to fruition. Now, what's happened before this is that the army that is being pursued and, 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 um, and Barak has led them to a place where their chariots are getting stuck. They can't really go through this muddy water, and they are overturned. They are destroyed. 900 chariots of iron destroyed by 10,000 men. But Sisera, who was the leader, decides to escape. There's the one who was the, the scaredy cat. There's the one who uh, wanted to run away. So he decides to escape and go to a place of safety, not realizing that that place of safety was actually going to be a place of his demise and that God would do exactly what he said he would do. Look at this pattern. Notice that unlike every other period in the history of the judges, where the judges alone served as the strategist and the commander and the conqueror, this time God used three people to win victory over Jabin and Sisera. Deborah, who served as the prophetess and the judge and the strategist, and different than any of the other judges, Deborah was also known as a woman of wisdom and a woman of prophetic insight. So he used Deborah. Second, Barak, who served as the military commander and the captain of the 10,000 that took the Canaanite army out. And then there's Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, who served as the one who took out Sisera. And all of these people have been prophesied and spoken to about by Deborah. And all of these people had a part that God wanted them to play. And all of these people were strategically placed by the Lord in order to take care of this. So what is this, the second part of this? Your vision, your mission, and your strategy will flow from this next season, not only when you get in his presence and value his presence more than your plans, but also when you position the right people in the right place for prophetic impact and influence. When you position the right people in the right place for prophetic impact and influence. I know in this day and age where it seems like everybody has a prophetic word. 
and everybody has something that I hear the Lord saying this. Sometimes we get freaked out by that word. But the sense that I get is that the Lord is going to do something prophetic in Crestmont Alliance Church that has never been done before. He's going to give you insight. And he's going to give you strategy. Dave, I was just so moved when you read from Isaiah this morning and you said, I believe I have a prophetic word for, for you. I, I, I know, I just sense that, that God used you as the superintendent to use those words in order to open up the door so that what he wants to say to you prophetically can be released. And the way that he will speak will give you the door to the influence in the communities that he's wanting you to reach. We're taught to sit down and put our strategies together and put our boards together. And, and again, not against that at all. Uh, in fact, sometimes my staff gets upset because of one of the, I want to just, just give me a pen. Let's go to the board and look at this. So I'm not against that. But I think in this new season, God wants to speak to you prophetically. And he wants to open your eyes to things that you've not seen before. And you will hear him say, this is the way. Walk in this way. And the influence that will grow from that will take you to places that you have never imagined. Prophetic insight, prophetic impact, and prophetic influence. Finally, um, as, as we move on. Judges chapter, um, chapter 4, verses uh, 23 to 24, and then chapter 5, verses 4 to 5, we read these words. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the people of Israel. And the hand of the people of Israel pressed harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. So here it is. Uh, Sisera is gone. The army is gone. The only one that's left is Jabin. And God did the work. God is the one who subdued him. God is the one who delivered him into the hands of the Israelites. God is the one who said, here he is. This is the one who's been oppressing you. I am now ready to deliver you from him. And then verse, chapter 5, verses uh, 4 and 5, and verse 31. Uh, this is the song of Deborah and Barak as they are praising the Lord for what he has done. They said this, Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, and yes, the clouds dropped water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And then, and then the chapter ends this way. And the land rested for 40 years. God delivered them. God did the work. And then he gave them 40 years of peace. And he gave them 40 years of victory. And he gave them 40 years of knowing his presence, walking in his presence, hearing his voice, and following what he says. So, what is the piece that I want to say here? The text made it very clear that, that the Lord is the one who did it. So, here's my point. Your vision, your mission, and your strategy will flow from this next season when you purpose in your heart that no matter who strikes the victory, the Lord always gets the glory. No matter who strikes the victory, the Lord always gets the glory. 
I was hearing this story yesterday uh, at another event, and uh, uh, as, I, as I think about this, I, I think the story is applicable today. When I was in uh, college at Nyack, at, at Nyack um, one of the things, I was a music major, and one of the things I had the opportunity to do was to collaborate with a, a, a number of other music majors in writing songs that we would use at the college. This one particular time, uh, I collaborated with a friend of mine, and we were writing a song, and uh, we just let time pass, and it was time to present the song uh, the next day, and we really hadn't gotten far on the song. So we did what all college students do. We pulled an all-nighter to get that song done. Now, he's in my room. We're writing. We get the first piece of the song uh, done, and then we decide, well, why don't we split up and come up with some ideas uh, for the next part of the song. So I'm diligently working at my desk, and uh, I look over after about 20 or so minutes, and he's asleep. <laughs> he's knocked out. I mean, the, it, there is, it's clear. He is just in another state. And I'm thinking, uh, you know, we got to get this song done. So rather than try and wake him up, I just went to work and continued to write. And a few hours later, come up, and the song, you know, got the, the ending. So I finally woke him up and said, hey, I'm done. And... Um, we look at it, and he says, oh, this is good. Let's change this. Let's change this. You know, a couple of tweaks here and there, and we're done. So now we're done, and it comes to the point where we are about to put our names on the song. My last name is Walker. Let's just say the letter that began his last name was before W. There is no way I'm going to let him get any credit for me writing almost three quarters of this song. No, my name is going first. I don't care what he has to say. I don't care. I'm going first. And as I'm having this argument in my head, this is what the Lord said to me. Let his name go first. Who cares who gets the credit as long as I get the glory? This is going to be a serious. this is going to be a season of victory for you as a church. And the Lord is calling you to not worry about whose victory it is. Let him get the glory. The Lord is calling you. Don't worry about who's leading the battle. The Lord's going to get the glory. The Lord's calling you. Don't worry about who comes up with the strategy. The Lord's going to get the glory. The Lord's calling you. Don't worry about who's causing the growth or what's causing the growth or how the growth. It's all because of him anyway. And he is going to get the glory. There's one final thing as I, as I bring this to a close. And I ask you to take this and I ask you to pray about it and ask the Lord where he is in it. The sense I get is that there is a well that has been closed for years. That the Lord is saying now is the time, now is the season for that well to be opened. And he is opening the well. And out of it will flow things that you have never thought, seen, discovered, 
or imagine. And when that begins to happen, internally, there will be a transformation like never before. And that transformation like never before will affect what's going on externally. And there will be a shift in this region for the kingdom of God because of that well-being open. So I want to encourage you, get in his presence. It's very clear that you are a church that already knows the presence of God, a church that celebrates the presence of God. God is calling you to dwell in his presence such as never before. Listen for his voice. Let him lead the strategy. Let him be the one that directs what you do. Let him be the one that positions the people where they need to be. And most of all, let him get the glory. God bless you. May you be here for another 100 years. <laughs>